Hey, I'm JB. And I'm Doug. And, and we, we are, are your Kraken Captains. Captains. Well, welcome to another episode of the Kraken Captains podcast. Thanks again for tuning in. I know I had a great Thanksgiving, Doug, with a, a turkey and all the trimmings, and I hope you had a good Thanksgiving as well. Oh my gosh, I ate so much, so much turkey and stuffing, I couldn't even tell you, and pie, so many pies, they were so good. That's the holiday, that's my favorite holiday, JB, I don't know about you, but that's the one I love. Oh, Thanksgiving, yeah, you know, uh, just that that uh, idea of uh, being thankful for for people and things around you and stuff like that. Of course, the food, the pies, yep. three pies at my house, too, it's like. Can't get enough of these pies. Hopefully, (laughs) hopefully the Kraken fans enjoyed their holiday as well and are thankful for their new hockey team. (laughs) team And thankful for the uh, listeners to the podcast. So uh, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Right on into Santa's territory now. Uh, Well, we got a lot of games to cover today, some moves the team has made. And we're going to give you, of course, a breakdown of the season so far. And we're at that kind of quarter mark. So we'll do a, a quick breakdown about where the team's at in the first quarter of the season. And uh, we're moving closer to that Olympic break. So let's get right into it. The Maelstrom, the Maelstrom, Maelstrom. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. This is the Maelstrom. Maelstrom. The Maelstrom. Couple details we want to fill you in on. The Tampa Bay Lightning have claimed a barboulet off of the waiver, so he is no longer with the Seattle Kraken, nor is Nathan Bastion, who has been claimed off waivers from the New Jersey Devils. Moving on to the game breakdown. Started off with the uh, game on November 11th. It was Seattle versus Anaheim. Um, and that is a divisional opponent, so that's important to note. Um, but that was a 4-7 to seven loss. Um, then on the 13th of November, we played the Minnesota Wild. That was another loss, 2-4. to four. Um, And then we played the Chicago Blackhawks on the 17th of November, and that was another 2-4 to four loss. Uh, all three games were home games, which is hard for the fans, but it happens to the best and worst teams. And piling on to the last episode, um, you know, we were in the midst of a heavy skid. And it we can get into these games, but I really just want to talk about the last game, the game on November 19th, uh, Seattle versus the Colorado Avalanche. It was a a drubbing, a, a three to seven loss, but this is where I think things started to turn around. I mean, it wasn't in the locker room, but I can guess going into the third period, uh, down six to nothing, I think, and then they scored another goal. Um, I could see the coach just being like, All right, you guys, this is it. Are we gonna lay down and die, or are we actually gonna? Do something. We can quit on the season right now if you want. But uh, this was kind of a a microcosm of all the problems that we had in that losing streak. 
um, with these other games. You know, Grubauer looked off in a few places where shots kind of looked like they surprised him. Defense was also having boneheaded turnovers, not helping their goalie out. Um, tons and tons of odd man breaks and breakaways and things like that. Hackstall, you know, pulling the goalie with five minutes left. That didn't happen in this game, but, you know, another game he pulls the goalie where he doesn't establish possession deep. Um, so coaching mistakes, I think, you know, play their their role as well. And things were just spiral, spiraling. Um, and this game was a dumpster fire for sure. Um, lots of turnovers, uh, hanging their goalie out to dry. But but I think Hackstall sent a message to Grubauer because um, he actually sat him for this game against his former team. Uh, even though, you know, he did ca- have to come in at, at one point to – to give Drieger the rest of the night off because he was just getting assaulted. I thought Drieger played exceptionally well for the, the hand he was dealt. He made some uh, really incredible saves, but um, he wasn't getting any help. Um, but things turned around in that third period. They kept fighting and kept fighting, and then they they started to find a way. And I think one of the, one of the cool things that happened was – they got some energy and some momentum um, from the fans. I was there, and uh, it was seven to nothing before they scored their first goal. And when they scored that goal, the place went insane. It was the loudest I've ever heard it. You know, a bunch of people waiting forty-five minutes for this goal, and and I think everyone kind of realized that, you know, the fans are here. We want the team to do well. We're supporting and, and uh, we're going to be here. I've never seen anything like it. You know, there certainly were some people who were, who were making for the exits, but a lot of people stayed and it was loud and crazy. And then, you know, those guys got some power play goals, which I think they carried some of that momentum and some of that work they did on the power play and, and uh, they carried it into the, the games moving forward, which I'm excited to talk about those as well. So why don't you uh, talk about the fruits of all that labor? Losing it's strength. like it's like it's you as a fan when you're watching a team like this, you you get into those games where you're like you're feeling the lows, feeling every bit of pain that every single one of those guys is feeling every single time you lose a game or another team scores a goal on you or you go out there and something bad happens. But doesn't it give you goosebumps when everybody just like erupts out of nowhere because of that one goal that's just like it might not even mean anything to you in the grand scheme of things of the season or anything, but that's what hockey's all about. Let me tell you what. You're absolutely right. And I got to say that goal and that like a moment and that surge of energy favorite, my favorite part of the season so far. That's, uh, the, that's the best. November 21st, the Seattle Kraken took on the Washington Capitals. In net for the Washington Capitals, former Seattle Kraken, Vitek Vanacek. But the Kraken took the victory with 5-2 as Grubauer stopped 37 of 39 shots, and the boys were up and down the ice all night. 
goals were coming from all over the roster. McCann scored in the first to tie the game after the Kraken allowed an early goal from Tom Wilson. The Kraken owned the second period, scoring three goals and allowing none. Jaden Schwartz, Adam Larson, and Kelly Yarncrock all tallied goals in the second period. The assists came from Susie, Schwartz, Geeky, Blackwell, and Yarncrock. Ovechkin added a goal in the third period, but the Kraken shut him down, and Gord added an empty netter to put the nail in the coffin. A great win against a really good team and a big confidence builder for the boys. You could tell. Yeah, I think, like we said, they carried that momentum in from uh, the game before, and it, and it really showed. And the team was starting to come together and gel and get some of that chemistry. And, I mean, my favorite part about this team is it's up and down the roster. Everybody is contributing and scoring points. I mean, look at the names that you just listed off, right? It's like six. It's like, six seven see, guys. Yeah, I agree. You see a game and, and these guys get out there and start playing, and when the points come, it's like, Okay, you got four goals, and you've got like seven guys that put points on that on those goals. It's every single game that they score, and it's coming from all over the roster. Yeah, yeah, we're getting pretty close to where pretty much everybody on the team has scored a goal, at least the regular guys too. So, well, the the Kraken carried that into another victory when they uh, went to Carolina to play the Hurricanes. Um, they, they rolled out of Carolina with a two, one victory, which, you know, that's the capitals are a great team. Carolina might even be a step above those guys. Uh, top, top five teams in the league. Really, really good team with a, a great record right now. And they were, they were the longest undefeated team in the beginning of the season, either them or Florida, both of those teams for the, for the beginning stretch of this season were uh, they had no losses for a lot of like 10 games or something like that. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So this one was two to one. So it was more of a gritty, grindy, hard fought victory. Uh, not a ton of points. Grubauer gets the start again, makes 35 saves, obviously only allowed the one goal. Um, so goals hard to come by. Goals are hard to come by. Yeah, goals are hard to come by, man, in this game. It's not um, easy to score a goal. You think you can just go in there and wing one in there? You can't, okay? It's hard. Exactly. These are professionals. <laughs> you got to get the right pass, the right beak, the right dangle. It's it's not just one goal in there and then that's it. You just don't just take a shot and it goes in. You got to like, you got to, you got to finesse that thing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You got uh, Marcus Johansson scoring a goal and then McCann coming up again. Uh, added a beauty in the second period. Uh, gotta love that guy. You gotta love Jared McCann. If you, if you're watching the crack and you're loving Jared McCann. Right McCann now. hitting McCann. So yeah, McCann ties the game at one and then, Marcus Johansson uh, scores the game winner uh, middle of the third period. Uh, Gord, Yanni Gord and Vince Dunn uh, add the assist. So we we were able to go into Carolina on the road, play a really good team, and come out with a victory. So. That's a heck of a game. A heck of a game. When everybody was, you know, doom and gloom on the Seattle crack, and here they come, and they beat one of the best teams in the league. Close game. It was a good game. Yep, yep. So, 
And then they came out and they lost 3 0 to Tampa Bay on November 26th. Andre Vasilevsky was in goal with a shutout victory. Goals from uh, Belmar, Colton, Stamkos. I wasn't expecting a victory here, but I don't think the stats tell the whole story because I think the team looked good and they definitely were carrying the momentum from the previous wins, but that just wasn't enough to defeat Tampa Bay at home. They just didn't get it done that night. Right. Yeah. I think, you know, it's Tampa Bay at home. It's Vasilevsky. Obviously he was on. um, And we, the Kraken have their first um, shutout loss. So that's the first time they haven't at least scored one goal in a game. Um, So just just get all those firsts out of the way. Finally, please. <laughs> no, we don't. It'll never happen again. Right, exactly. Yeah, so that uh, – but they did have a really beautiful uh, tribute to Yanni Gord, uh, who was with Tampa Bay for the two Stanley Cup wins uh, the last two. That was that was cool to see, and uh, it was still, you know, a fun game. But that's a that's another tough team. I mean, think about it. We're playing top-tier teams in a row, and then they go – to Florida and play the Panthers on uh, the 27th. So the very next day, Drieger gets the start against his former team, and he denies them an NHL record for most consecutive home wins, uh, which would have been 12. So they had won 11 consecutive games to start the season and were undefeated at home at that point. And uh, the They destroyed a lot. Yeah, so it's another – Up and down the ice. Yeah, yeah, Eberle, uh, two goals. The big rig scored a slapper, a uh, laser of a shot, and I believe that was his first goal of the season as well. So, you know, ticking these guys off the list, like I said, after this road trip, I think there may be Don Scoy's left and uh, uh, maybe a couple other guys. But uh, Ryan Donato comes through with a goal. Um, bottom line is points, once again, coming from all over the roster. So it it was fantastic. And you only allow that one goal. So I think uh, probably the boys on defense are I, in the right place and helping their goaltender out. And Drieger obviously motivated to play against his former team. So really, really good team win. Man, when you see these guys, you know, it's tough to watch a team that you really love get out there and and have to deal with like consecutive losses, right? When you're watching them like day in, day out, but you got to remember that it's early enough in the season. And then when you see them come out and beat like two of the best teams in the league, I mean, how can you not be excited for that? Ecstatic. Even. Right. You kind of know, you you get a glimpse of like what you thought, like, hey, these boys can play. They got Just potential. Put it together and, and do it consistently. That's right. That's right. And then they came out on the 29th of November against Buffalo and won 7-4. to four. And that was a season sweep. Drieger starts in a crazy back-and-forth affair that felt like a high-octane race to the finish. Neither team wanted to give in, but the Kraken found a way. They came out red-hot and scored three unanswered goals in the first from Carson Soucy, Turbo Tanev, and Jared McCann with big apples for Yanni Gord 
Jamie Alexiak and Morgan Geeky. In the second, the Sabres added two goals, but each time the Kraken answered with two goals of their own. McCann lit the lamp for his second goal of the night, and Mason Appleton scored his first goal of the season with assists from Wenberg, Borgen, Geeky, and Tanev. The third was a similar battle. The Sabres would score, and the boys would answer, and when the final horn sounded, the Kraken conquered the Sabres and swept them for the season. Kind of sad. It would be nice to grab a few more points this season from those guys. Yeah, so this one, I mean, I think it was a game that they should have won, and obviously did. They came out, they they allowed four goals, but they they always answered. They scored, you know, three out of the gate, and then anytime the Sabres scored, they would just score another goal. And I think whenever you got Turbo Tanev and Sneaky Morgan Geeky on the score sheet, you're in uh, you're in a good place when those guys are finding the the back of the net. I think you're also seeing a lot more production from the defensive guys like Jamie Alexiak and Carson Soucy. These guys are coming in, they're moving in up front, taking shots, and it's producing for the Seattle Kraken for sure. Every time Jamie Alexiak comes in and scores, if you're not going, the big rig, toot, toot, then you're, you're missing out on a great, great fun. Right, right. My uh, only problem is I almost every time I want to yell big unit, and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> that's wrong. That's not right. <laughs> it's the big rig, and then it's a it's a horn. You wrong can sport. Like when you were a kid and you were waiting for the bus and a tractor trailer rode by and you like pulled your arm down. Honk, honk. Yeah, you have to do that and you have to yell like honk, honk. the big rig honk, honk. every time he scored. That's what you have to that, do. That's gonna help me. That's gonna help. Okay, so we uh, we had to end. Uh, November on a high note, and then on uh, December 1st. It was my birthday. Happy birthday, Doug. Well, the, the Kraken didn't get the memo because they dropped <laughs> at Detroit. I really thought they were going to win this one. Yeah, four to three. I think it's probably a game they want back. The, the good news is they end their road trip. I think uh, they got points, so it was uh, – they took it all the way to a shootout. Dylan Larkin, Adam Earn scored uh, in the shootout, and Yunus Donskoy scored his first goal, not a technical goal, but he did put a goal in the back of the net goal. in the shootout. So maybe that's enough. Maybe that's enough to give him a little that little boost he needs. Yeah, give him that little boost. So some good things. And like I said, when you when you make it to overtime, you're getting a point out of it. So Heck of a road trip for the boys, especially against. I mean, we couldn't have that serious problems, but they I really noticed. I noticed that Donato, Ryan Donato, once again, even though they lost this game, he put two goals in in a three to four loss. Well, and, then if, and then if you go back and you go, wait a minute, he scored against Buffalo, didn't he? He scored. He scored against Florida. He's a, you go back along there. He put he's put a lot of points on the board in the last few games, and so you got to you got to throw respect to Brian Donato. He scored the first goal of the season, 
right? And, and he's he's still putting points on the board for the team. So like, you know, if maybe you're thinking about a Christmas jersey to ask for, you might want to throw Donato on the back of that one because hey man, it's worth it. Yeah, one of those goals was an absolute beauty too. Mm-hmm. I just looked at it and I was like, how how. How did he find the back of the the top corner from that angle around that guy? Yeah, he just did. He's good. He's good. If you're playing defense on another team, you better watch him. Yeah. Sure, they're breaking down film right now. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, those are the the games we're covering up to this point. And it's a good place to stop because it's – just over a quarter season, so we can kind of break down where we're at at this point. So, yeah, you... we played we played 23 games. Uh, we got eight wins, 13 losses, two overtime losses, 18 points on the season so far. Yeah, so like I said, I mean, if if they had had a a, a worse road trip, we could be staring at something totally different. But I think we're at at this point, second to last in our division, but we haven't played that many division games, to be honest with you. So those are going to become more important as we as we move through the season. So the Olympics are going to throw a wrench in the works too. Yeah. So I mean, it's going to get it's going to get crazy. You know, we've got uh, the power play has been improving. We went from last to 15th which is about halfway up the roster we got we got we were the second fewest shots allowed per game with uh 27.7 yeah and that's uh second only to carolina so we're still holding that down crushed them, uh, crushed them beat them totally dominated them so right exactly yeah we we scored 68 goals and allowed 81 so it's a negative 13 differential but um, I think we're improving there too. I think if you look, um, we're allowing 3.48 goals per game. But if you looked at the last like 10 games, I bet you that number is a lot lower. Yeah. So. I mean, you're going to see this team, you know, ride out the slumps and, and, and hit those giant waves too. So, yeah. And we are scoring 2.96 goals per game, which is, Middle of the road, well, that's 15th out of 32. So I think uh, we're we're trending in the right direction, and these guys are finding their chemistry, and I uh, I have high hopes for the, the next quarter of the season. We got to give some respect to the Kraken fans too because even though we've seen a lot of chatter on the internet with doom and gloom and everything else, you know that when they scored, they show the, the Kraken fans show up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the support is there, and I think it. You're you're right, and it's it's noted since in the last what the puck segment last episode we we did have some words about <laughs> for some of the fans. So I think it's important to also say, hey, we know we're there. We we hear the enthusiasm and the energy, and and uh, it's well appreciated. Like I said, at that. Avalanche game. It could easily have been like uh seven to one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so that's that's the maelstrom. That's what we got for you. 
Uh, better uh, check out what is a Krakenin in the community, eh, Doug? Yes, sir. What is Krakenin in the community? What's Krakenin in the community? So it's um it's that time of year, Doug. It's gift giving season, and uh, everybody you know wants Kraken gear, right? That's what you're looking for. And so if you're the type of person who uh, likes to shop local um, and maybe is looking for something that's not just a jersey or the same thing everybody can get, we we found a few spots um, that we thought uh, might be worth mentioning. The first is Alaire, Seattle. That's A-L-A-I-R, Alaire. That's correct. You know uh, how to spell Seattle, don't you, JB? I do. <laughs> baby. And that's S-E-A, not C, the letter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so they uh, those guys have this uh, really cool Kraken t-shirt. It's kind of like uh, octopus squid, and it's popping out of the ice, and it's got ice skates on its tentacles, and it's got a puck and a stick in one tentacle. And the graphic design was uh, done by Factory 43 in Ballard. Um, so it's a, a cool local local spot that's uh, doing it all in-house. And uh, it's a different take on it. Um, so That's what's up. Uh, yeah, we'll check those guys out. And uh, we'll, we'll leave links to all this stuff uh, down in the description uh, to help you guys out. So that's, uh, that's the first one. And then we got Simply Seattle was among the first shops to stock cracking gear. And if you're looking for something different than a jersey, check them out because they've got some different T-shirts and gear that just might appeal to a broader fan base. Yeah, I know they've got um, they've got a shirt that's got kind of tentacles around it, but the main like print on the shirt is actually like the Seattle skyline. So it's kind of a nod to the Kraken, but really could be just like an ocean theme with the tentacles and stuff. And, but there is like a little puck in there, but it's not like overwhelmingly, um, you know, it's not branded. So if somebody likes that sort of thing and you're more basing it on the Seattle area and it's more of an homage to the Kraken, uh, and they got a few things like that. It's not just that one, one shirt or whatever. So you can. Uh, uh, That's go what I'm talking about you, you know, if, if I'm going to Climate Pledge, like, and uh, you know, I need to, I need to show up with some drip. I'm not trying to show up with the same, same bland sweater as you know, uh, the lady next to me. I definitely want to be looking good, you know. Right, right. So, and there, you know, another local. Local Christmas shop. is coming. It is. It is. For that Kraken fan in your life, <laughs> That's right. Seattle might be the place. And then we've got one more. Um, it's called, and this is all one word, it's In the Bag Crochet. And it's a shop on Etsy um, by a lady named Cindy Keene, I believe. It's K-E-N-N-E. Um, so if I got that last name wrong, I'm sorry about that, but it's an Etsy shop and the lady obviously is crocheting some really cool stuff. But one of the things is 
a Kraken kind of style, octopus style beanie. So it's hand knit, looks super rad. She'll do it in all sorts of different colors. So if you wanted like a different color combination than the kind of blues and, and greens that the team colors are, you can get it that way. Of course, it's uh, handmade, so it's going to take some time. So at the time of this recording, it may be a little too late to get it for Christmas, but you got to go on. You got to go all out. If That's you're trying to go to Climate Pledge and see the team play, and you got to go all out. And these, this is what you're going to want to wear if you're that, that fan. And to be honest with you, I'm pretty sure I've seen her work there. There's a guy who sits in our section. And he's got one of these, and it looks rad. The the way the tentacles kind of come off the front of your head, and they they're awesome, curled up, and they you know they have the little suckers on them. Really, really cool. And and this uh, lady is a formal local, an avid Seattle sports fan. Um, after she did a stint working for the Mariners at Safeco, so um, another uh, another local artist um, that you can give to instead of. Instead of doing everything through Amazon. Hi, Jeff. Hi. So uh, anyway, just some cool things uh, happening in the community and some some cool artists. And uh, being that it's the gift-giving season and Christmas is around the corner, we thought it'd be nice to highlight uh, some, some local shops that are doing some cool stuff. So that... Is what's cracking in? That's what's cracking in. And if you don't see those uh, links in the comment section, hit us up on social media so that we can get those to you ASAP. All right. Well, it's it's time. It's time for our What the Puck segment. What the Puck. What, what, the, what the Puck. Indeed. This is a hard one, JB. It is uh, hard enough, in fact, that I think we should start with a disclaimer. We will be discussing sexual assault allegations in this segment. Uh, so if you have young children or you're not comfortable with this content, uh, we suggest you skip to the end. But if you're still here... Uh, I think we should talk about Kyle Beach. Um, Kyle Beach started playing hockey professionally in 2009 when he was 19. He won the Rookie of the Year Award in the WHL playing for the Everett Silvertips. So this guy has a local connection. Um, and if you haven't figured it out by now, Kyle Beach is uh, the John Doe from the Chicago Blackhawks alleged sexual assault case involving Brad Aldrich. We um, had mentioned this in one of the previous episodes. Yeah, we kind of touched on it at the time. He was still John Doe and, uh, you know, he hadn't come forward, but in the last, I think, month or something, he's kind of come forward. So uh, Doug and I have been talking about this and and talking about, We've been we've been following it and and reading up on it to try to get all the details so that we didn't uh, talk about it before we knew exactly uh, exactly what was going on. Yeah, so uh, I think we're gonna touch on the timeline of events, kind of voice some of our opinion about some of the things in there. So May eighth and 9th in the two thousand ten 
during the Western Conference Finals, uh, there was sexual assault that allegedly occurred between Brad Aldrich being the aggressor and Kyle Beach being the victim. Brad Aldrich is the like video coach for the Chicago Blackhawks, correct? That's correct. Yeah. May 12th through 19th, Kyle Beach told the skills coach Paul Vincent about the assault. Beach claimed that Vincent reported the claims to the front office, but investigators did not confirm Beach's claim in that instance. Right, so that one's a little bit interesting because Beach is kind of defending Paul Vincent, saying he told him and Paul Vincent did everything he could and reported, you know, these the, the alleged assault to the front office. But investigators did not actually confirm that that is what occurred. So we know that it's very likely that Paul Vincent did inform the front office because on May 23rd, the Blackhawks did have a senior staff meeting. Senior Director of Hockey Administration Al McIsaac joins President John McDonough, General Manager Stan Bowman, Executive Vice President Jay Blunk, and Assistant General Manager Kevin Sheveldayoff and Coach Quinville. And the group decided to brush the issue aside to avoid distractions going into the Stanley Cup final. That was their decision at the time. And I'm sure that by then it's going around the organization in the in the locker room and all sorts of all over the place. So that had to be at least dealt with in some acknowledged in a meeting and that was that meeting and then on june 10th 2010 days after the stanley cup was won aldrich assaulted another black hawk intern physically grabbing him and then between june 14th and 16th human resources gets involved and offers resignation or investigation and brad aldrich resigns after choosing to resign the the Blackhawks gave Aldrich a severance, playoff bonus, and championship ring. He also gets his name engraved on the cup. He gets to spend the day with the Stanley Cup and attends the team's banner-raising ceremony the following season. Yeah. Nice. Um, so he left the team, obviously, and then in the fall of 2012 – Aldrich sexually assaulted two men while serving as Miami of Ohio's university's director of hockey operations. Um, Miami found that Aldrich assaulted a Miami student who worked at the rink and a summer hockey camp intern, both after inviting them to sleep on his couch. Aldrich resigned from Miami later that year. Um, but a year later, in March 2013, he assaulted a high schooler while serving as a volunteer hockey coach for a high school team in Houghton, Michigan. He allegedly sexually assaulted one of his teenage players after a postgame party. Aldrich admitted his sexual advances towards the teen to the police shortly after that. 
And then in September 2013, the Blackhawks Human Resources stonewalls the Houghton Police Department. When the police department contacts the Blackhawks Director of Human Resources for information on Aldrich, the director refuses to offer any information on Aldrich other than his resignation without a subpoena. So unless they come to him with a subpoena, they're not going to give any extra information. And Aldrich was eventually convicted fourth-degree criminal sexual misconduct involving a student. In February of 2014, Aldrich was sentenced for that act, and uh, he spent, what, nine months in Houghton County Jail. Upon his release, he had to require, he was required to register as a sex offender and serve five years of probation and pay restitution. And then all the way in May of 2021 is when Beach files his lawsuit against the Blackhawks. Which is what actually drags all this back up because in 2014, there was really no press coverage of this. And you didn't really hear about it until the 2021 when Kyle Beach files his lawsuit against the Blackhawks. And even then, it's such a minor thing that hardly anybody really knows about it. Right. And if you think about it, May 2021 was over five years after Aldrich got out of county jail. So his probation was already over at that point. So he could go off and do whatever he wanted. Um, So first I want to, you know, just shout out CBS NHL because they're the ones who put timeline and we kind of just took it and, and ran with it. You don't want to ever. You don't want to ever pass judgment on anybody or like talk about stuff like this without actually knowing exactly what went down and when and how. Yeah. So I think the 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 main thing to talk about is everything that happened from the fall of 2012 until he went to jail in 2014. That all falls on the Blackhawks organization. Because it all could have been prevented if somebody said something sooner. Exactly. He gets to walk and repeatedly assault people at every stop until somebody finally says enough. For years. For years. Years. It's incredible that this was allowed to continue. And like and- these are only the people that like uh, came forward that people know about. Right. So think about it. Yeah, this guy is a predator. I mean, it only really it only really came to light when it was a high school kid that this guy assaulted. And I I hate to say it, but I mean, even these guys who are NHL players in their prime ain't much past high school age anyway. Not that their age has anything to do with it, but it kind of is if it's here's this older guy in a position of power who's using his position to you know, advance himself on these young men. Right, right. And even then, it's still a position of power. Exactly. And these young kids are, you know, highly motivated by the idea that, you know, this person is supposed to help them reach their dreams. And, you know, so you're listening to what they're saying. And and uh, what is it that he allegedly said to Kyle Beach? You'll never... You'll never walk again, and you'll never play in the NHL. 
Exactly. And for a young 20-year-old, you know, kid, honestly, to hear that, it's like uh, very disheartening. And I can't, I can't imagine like what was going through his mind and everything. But my point is, look at what they did. They allowed him to resign. They gave him a severance, a playoff bonus, a championship ring. And he got his name on the cup. And he was allowed to come back and come to the – spend a day with the cup and come to the banner-raising ceremony. That's, that tells me that they just wanted it to go away. They didn't care about Kyle Beach, the human being. They just care about the image of the organization. Yeah, we winning the cup and bringing in the money and everything else. Yeah, because you don't give a – you don't give a sexual predator a severance bonus, a playoff bonus, and a championship ring. You don't put his name on the Stanley Cup. I'm sure Lord Stanley is super stoked about that. Yeah. Yeah, rape apologists. Yeah. It's insane. <laughs> it's horrible. So, and, and and for anyone who was sitting in the locker room knowing what was going on, I hope you – enjoy thinking about that for the rest of your life too because it's horrible what you did yeah there are some some rumors about you know him being ostracized in that locker room and you'd think that he would have found a friend in patrick kane because patrick kane was accused of rape uh some years before that and those charges were eventually dropped for lack of evidence which you know, what does that mean? But but if you're a person who is falsely accused of rape, you'd think you'd have some sympathy for somebody who has been, exactly been through it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But it doesn't appear that that's the case. And these guys have come out after all this because, of course, when this came out, you know, Joel Quinville, who was no longer with the organization, was actually the coach of the – the Florida Panthers, he resigned, Bowman resigned, and Stan Bowman had to resign from, from his involvement with the, with the Olympic team. So, you know, heads are rolling everywhere. And, you know, Jonathan Taves is coming out and saying, well, I don't think they should have lost one mistake and they should have lost their jobs. And I'm like, well, what, what about Beach? Unconscionable. Yeah. Absolutely so, unconscionable. If you don't think that, if you think like this is not a reason for someone to lose their job, it's 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 unbelievable that these guys wrote it out as long as they did without saying something when they all knew what the hell was going on. Exactly, and these guys, all of them, are all going to be fine. Dude, Kyle Beach has to live the rest of his life and put the pieces together. You know. It's that's right. It's just sad. Shame. You know, because like I said, that's the way it appears to me. It's it's my opinion. But when you give somebody the option to resign and don't yeah. investigate either, either we're gonna investigate that you're a rapist or we're gonna let you walk and give you a bonus and you say and everything else just so that you can go away and we can win our Stanley Cup, okay? No, that's horrible. That's the most evil, vile, crappy crap I've ever heard. Yep, and like I said, 
he was allowed to then go on and assault more people because because they didn't do what they were supposed to do. Let's let's take care of human life first, you know. Absolutely. Hockey's a game. Hockey's a game. Exactly. But last thing I think we should touch on is I don't think we get to let off the NHL either. Gary Bettman. Gary Bettman, when you are in charge of anything, let me tell you what. Anything that happens in that arena that you're in charge of, that falls on your shoulders. Yep. I don't care. You're in charge. So whatever happens, you're responsible for. That's how it works. Yeah, and I don't think he's sending a very good message because their announcement was that they were going to fine the Blackhawks $2 million for inadequate internal procedures and insufficient and untimely response in the handling of matters related to video coach, video coach Brad Aldrich's employment with the club and ultimate departure. Basically, they're saying, you know, they violated their own policy and they waited three weeks to do anything about, you know, Brad Aldrich until after they had won the cup, after he had allegedly assaulted another 22-year-old intern, and then they finally let him go. They give him a severance. They find, but the the point is the NHL find them $2 million. But in that same season in 2010, the Devils were fined $3 million for circumventing the salary cap. So the message they're sending sucks. It's more of a fine for circumventing the salary cap than it is for allowing a rapist to walk out of your organization who then later committed more sexual assaults on other people. It's incredible. I, I, I don't think they have done nearly enough. And I think everyone should continue to talk about this because they're just getting off easy, in my opinion. Absolutely. It's a joke. It's a joke. The way that the whole league handled it, the way that the franchise handled it, every single thing about it stinks. Agreed. Yeah, I don't know how to tie this up in a little bow or anything, and I don't know that I want to. Maybe it needs to kind of sit as an open source so that people Just meditate on it, let med- it simmer. Yeah, um, but I will say, take care of each other. We're all yeah. floating around on this tiny speck in space together. So think about your neighbors and and watch out for them. You know, I don't and, care uh, if. I don't care if you like this team or that team or the other team, or if you play for this team or that team or the other team, if you're not watching out for the guy sitting next to you, then you ought to be. Yeah. What's, what's the point? You really ought to be. Yeah. So yeah, I think just, uh, just think about it. And and, uh, like Doug said, meditate on it, but, I don't. Uh, I don't know that there's much else to say about that. You. You have anything, Doug? No. Let us know what you think on social media. Post a comment. I will tell you this: there, we we play the Blackhawks again, and I'm really tempted to go to the game and just yell Kyle Beach's name the whole time. We'll see if that happens, but. Uh, 
Yeah. Well, we better, we better, yeah, we got to close her down here at some point. So now's as good a time as any. Yep. We, uh, the Kraken Captains, would like to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in to another episode. Let us know your thoughts. Follow us on social media and drop us a line. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, what you want to know, or what you already know about our Seattle Kraken. Thanks again, and we'll see you back here for the next episode real soon. Hello out there. We're on the air. It's hockey night tonight. Tension grows, the whistle blows, and the puck goes down the ice. The goalie jumps and the players bump and the fans all go insane. Someone roars, Bobby scores at the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game.